is the big ponder. It's an audio format, so I'm going to do my best to describe what's happening in this video. There are these three big, gray, beautiful hippopotamuses. They're in their semi-aquatic enclosure in the Berlin Zoo. It's June 2018, and they're being fed their lunch. I took this video when I was 21 years old. It's the second time in my life that I've been to the Berlin Zoo. The first time, so my parents tell me, was in 1998. I was 18 months old. From what I can remember of seeing photos over the years of my trip that day, little Nathaniel, oh, that's me, by the way, hello, I'm Nathaniel. Little Nathaniel saw a lot of amazing animals, some zebras, definitely a big, beautiful giraffe, I think an okapi, and a baby hippo. Now, from what I've read, Hippos can live up to 40 years in the wild and up to 50 in captivity, so there's a very good chance it's the same hippo. Now, I think that's kind of nice that 20 years apart, I just popped in and checked in on him. Maybe I'll come back in 20 years' time. But even just telling you that story just there, I couldn't do it without using the word captivity, could I? Mm, yeah, that's when talking about zoos becomes more complicated. It seems like since their inception in the 19th century, pretty much until the last couple of years, zoos have been, for most people, environmentalists excluded, just a bit of family fun. You know, a nice day out, a place to see animals, maybe even learn something, and, and certainly to understand why caring for our environment and for our well, fellow living thing is important. Positive things. But I think we may all have noticed recently zoos have something more of an ethical question. A multifaceted issue that really has no simple answer. It's harder than ever, maybe, to go to the zoo without feeling slightly mm, complicit in something you're not fully comfortable with. It's harder than ever to go to a zoo and not think, is it worth it? To have these beautiful creatures, well, trapped in here. What do you think? It's funny because they're so ubiquitous and you feel so positive about zoos, right? But when you actually think about it for a second, you, they feel like a thing of the past. I mean, when questioning whether or not it's worth it, some cases, many would argue the answer is yes. Certain animals, well, don't mind the captivity. They don't mind the proximity to human life or urban settings. They appreciate their regular meals and attention. Others still may be less enthusiastic about zoo life, but sadly have very few safe, habitable environments left in the wild where they could feasibly be free to roam. And yet, in some cases, the modern zoo just does not feel like a suitable fit anymore. And many humans want to start looking for alternatives. Now, that's not an easy sell for so many people, for so many reasons. For me, I count myself lucky to have grown up on zoos. My local was the National Zoo, a sprawling, public, free entry park in the heart of Northwest Washington, DC, with 163 acres housing hundreds of marvelous species. 
Many of my most beloved memories from my toddler years all the way to my most recent trip home were made in that zoo. Plus, thanks to the international scope of my family tree and my mother's profession as I was growing up, I was lucky enough to travel around the world with her and my dad, almost always visiting the zoos each new location had to offer. The Cotswold Wildlife Park in Oxfordshire, the Taronga Zoo in Sydney, the Biopark of Rio de Janeiro, the Menagerie nestled in the Botanical Gardens in Paris, the Berlin Zoo, twice now. Each one an unforgettable day that brought me closer to the natural world, closer to environmental awareness, and closer to my parents, who never tried to hide their own wonder and joyous expressions when we would behold these magnificent animals together. So when I was thinking of who to speak to regarding how zoos have shifted in our environmental, ethical, and emotional understandings, I thought, how about the people I share the most zoo memories with? My mom and dad. Well, yes, I have many, many fond memories of going to zoos with you uh, here in our home, Washington, D.C., and around the world. Mm -hmm. And indeed, there was a very, very conscious choice about how we introduce the world to you. I mean, one mm -hmm. of the things that a parent does is to try to help their child understand the wonders of the world around them and feel mm -hmm. a sense of a place in that world. And part of that is understanding our connection to the natural world. That while we, of course, you know, are human beings growing up in human society, we are very much part of a world around us, which includes you know, flora and fauna, plants and animals. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially for a young child, it, uh, because animals move, they're exciting, they're amazing, that seeing live animals um, helps you understand that they, are, that they are important parts of our world and that we have a mm -hmm. connection to them. I, I think I, I liked showing you yeah, beautiful and beautiful and new animals that you that you hadn't mm -hmm. seen before, which mm -hmm. goes back to you know, which is why I I like going to zoos. So, mm -hmm. I, so, so <laughs> certain certain extent, I, I was I was I was acculturating you to my way of thinking. I suppose you could you could look at it that way, but I I, don't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that particularly consciously. I just thought you'd like to go to the mm -hmm. zoo. Uh, yeah. You seem to like Zabumafu. And so, you know stuff on the yeah. on on the on the television. It's very important that the, that the mission of the zoo was to teach you about animals and to teach you about care of animals. Yeah. So that we would go to zoos because it was fun, but also you may recall, of course, of course you recall. I mean, your your first summer camp was was zoo camp um, because <laughs> yeah, then, you course. know so you spent you spent your summers being able to go and and hear you know hear about animal care. Um, and so the approach mm -hmm. was you know they were letting you see a little bit of how they cared for these amazing creatures. And so these were zoos where there was a sense of, of, of stewardship for the animals. The other thing is it's fun. Um, I think learning mm -hmm. should be fun. And especially with very young children, you want them to, to have a sense of joy. You can run around. You don't have to sit and be quiet. You know, you, you can mm -hmm. actually, uh, you know, there's parkland, there's space. You get exercise because you're, you're moving around. So there are lots of things happening on, on, on multiple levels that make going to zoos, you know, uh, fun, fun for families and important to do. I think part of the attraction of taking children to zoos is to introduce mm -hmm. them to other children, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, other baby animals. Right. So going, seeing, seeing, I mean, the, you know, famously we saw a baby hippo. Yes. And then I think there was a baby pygmy hippo at some point, right? <laughs> they were the incredibly cute animal, right? Mm. And there's this, there's this, there's this aspect which which we do respond to. Of young animals, whatever they are. I mean, the young uh, young elephants, 
obviously, you know, lion cubs and, and so on and so forth, and yet baby pandas. Mm-hmm. But all of this is, I mean, I think that's something else that, is, that you can only really see, you know, live, as it were, live, real baby animals at zoos. And and I think that I think that I think that's that's also important for 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 children to see mm-hmm. other children, as it were, of another species. Why is that? I I think you kind of identify with them. I mean, if if you see a li- if you see an adult, what whatever, mm-hmm. they're just like your parents, right? <laughs> yeah. So you don't yeah, identify yeah. with them, yeah. as a kid, mm-hmm. because you know they're they're your parents. Mm. They're other parents. You know, I mean, they yeah. they can be nice or yeah. nice or not. But if you see a baby animal. Mm. as a child i think that oh that's like me mm. i think huh. anyway it's so intriguing for me hearing my parents describe these diverse reasons for taking a child to the zoo environmental awareness having fun learning how to even be a child senses of connection across species across time it was very moving to me to take you as a small child to see the elephant nancy you know elephants have long mm. lives and so i mm-hmm. was taking my son to see the same elephant that my mother took mm-hmm. me to see when I was little. Mm-hmm. My mother, your grandmother, loved giraffes. Right. And I love giraffes mm-hmm. because they're such beautiful, mm-hmm. they're just beautiful, gentle creatures, I think, mm-hmm. at least to look at. Mm-hmm. So it's no wonder why I have such a soft spot in my heart for zoos. We've got the baby hippo that I've seen 20 years apart. We've got an elephant that three generations of my family have been to visit. We've got the love of giraffes passed down from my father's mother to my father to me. I love giraffes. I bet everyone listening can think of some time in some zoo where you thought, I'm so glad I had this moment with this person at this time, in this place, with this animal. Can't you? Now this is audio of a moment I will truly never forget. He's very keen, so we better get I've moved away from home to Edinburgh at this point to do my undergraduate studies. This video was taken at the Edinburgh Zoo, and I'm in the middle of the birthday gift my girlfriend Laura got me for my 21st. A zookeeper for a day experience that culminated in me putting a big slab of raw meat on a stick and then feeding it to a tiger. (laughs) The video, which again, I'm gonna describe for you, is, well, just what it sounds like. It's gorgeous tiger on the other side of a fence, thankfully, who curiously comes up and eats the meat off the stick. Now, this is just what the zookeepers would have done anyway. It's not like they set anything up for me that they wouldn't have just been doing as a routine, but it felt like such an unbelievable privilege to be that close and that, well, tactile, even through a fence, with an animal that's been my favorite animal since I was, since I can remember. What Strikes me sometimes when I see that video over and over again, because it's a pretty cool video and I watch it a lot, is that I have an expression of complete and utter, well, genuine honesty. It's truly awesome to me in that moment that I'm near this, this, this tiger. And it just reminds you how much zoos will show you about yourself, how in so many ways they're educating you about the natural world, but also about your own humanity, about how you and the people you know and the people you're watching at this zoo react to the animals before them. Not only that, but the respective selections of animals that you'll find in different zoos will in themselves tell you something about, well, where you are. They'll tell you something about the human history of that place. As you know, I'm interested in international politics, so it was interesting when we went to the Berlin Zoo to see Mm -hmm. the same mammals, for example, but different Mm -hmm. breeds and variations with even different 
patterns on their uh, on their coats mm-hmm. because they were from slightly different places. Because indeed, not surprisingly, the the uh, European and North American countries tended to get the animals to from for their zoos from the countries with which they had associations. So mm-hmm. the big empires, you know, got their zoo. You know, so the <laughs> German zoo got its giraffes from areas that were once German colonies. The British zoos got mm-hmm. their giraffes from places that were once British colonies. And so that you, you'd go to a zoo in London and a zoo in Berlin uh, or a zoo in Paris for that matter, and you're seeing the same mammal, same mammal family, but they're di- slightly different you know, variations of them. It's in your mind, again, of the intersection between human politics and animals. So our experiences at these places, in various zoos, wherever in the world you might be, resonate with us in so many different ways. In our relationships and shared experiences with loved ones, our sense of community, our sense of humanity, our understandings of history and geography and ecology. So why have so many opinions on zoos shifted in recent years? The zoo developed as an institution by which people could see the natural, the, re- the rest of the natural world. Yeah. As a result of that, they got to they got to sympathise with the animals because they're very beautiful. Yeah, and and you yeah. know if you see anything that that kind of has has two eyes and a nose and a well kind of a nose and, and a mouth etc. You, you right you 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 sort of identify with them. I think there was a rethinking in the in the story that was told that the mm. idea of. Uh, human and nature together uh, mm-hmm. was 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 new. I mean, that was probably new in you know in the late late twentieth twentieth century. In other words, that it was less like uh, it was less like a circus. There was a difference. It was less like a. It wasn't. This is a curiosity and a bizarre mm-hmm. looking animal or something strange. To this mm. is a creature that has its own validity, its own habits. Um, and we mm-hmm. want to teach you about that rather than have you just come and gawk about that. And I think that was probably an evolution mm. of what you were doing and why you were at that, what you were seeing and how it was presented. I suspect that the reason that, that we have a, a higher, a greater consciousness uh, about uh, the natural world is ironically partly due to zoos. Yeah. But now that's come back to say, well, zoos, zoos shouldn't be allowed because... <laughs> right. Well, in, a, in a way, they were so convincing and why right. we should care about the animals that they were housing that we've said you shouldn't be housing them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, people have questioned the moral justifications of zoos in the past, but it does seem to be gaining more and more traction. I mean, the obvious example is during lockdown, many of us experienced life trapped in an enclosure in a confined space for an extended period of time. Well, for the first time in our lives, and we thought, this is hell. Well, most of us anyway. Actually, I, I quite liked it, because we have a nice garden. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but, but then I'm, I'm, probably a vole, I'm probably a vole or something like yeah, that. Okay, okay. Well, vole or not, Dad makes a good point about the way that zoos have never really been extricable from their more exploitative, abusive progenitors. But they were also entertainment, of course. One has, one mustn't forget that, right? Right. The initially, initially yes, at some no, point, of course. because I think Barnum and Bailey Circus, right? They, they also had a zoo to go with mm-hmm. it, and and, and I, I think that mm-hmm. the relationship between the circus and the zoo is obviously there. I, I, zoos are better than zoos are better than circuses, I think, when it comes to animals. But there mm-hmm. is an entertainment factor. I mean, I I, I remember oh, at one well, I mean, they still do feeding the feeding the sea lion, uh, feeding the sea lions, right? At the zoo, yeah. Uh, yeah, which which is basically a circus act, yeah. Right? And and they used to do the, the. I think I think that's I think that's the case. They really did 
have a have a at Regent's Regent's Park Zoo. They used to have a the chimpanzees seat tea party. Oh wow! But and I think they really did do that to mm. entertain entertain the chill the kiddies. Right? It was, mm. it was fun. But that's 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 close to bear baiting. I think. Really. <laughs> I think. Yeah, they really did do that. It was only discontinued in 1972. But these are extreme examples, the type of things that we can pretty easily divorce in our heads from the fond and mostly positive zoo memories that we all have. There are much more pernicious ones, though. And as those come to light, it becomes harder and harder to overlook them. Everything from elephants to orangutans to Komodo dragons, various reports have said, feel acute depression and psychosis in many cases, simply because of their captivity. Now, at places like the Edinburgh Zoo, as I was so privileged to learn, there are all sorts of very direct programs that are meant to keep these animals' minds alive just as much as their bodies, their brains active and their cognition sharp. But many activists and zoologists are not so sure anymore. Regular published reports and opinion pieces, like Emma Maris's in the New York Times in June of this year, shed a harsh light on practices that many of us may not have realized were going on in zoos at all. Things like the amount of antipsychotic medication and antidepressants that are given to animals the world over on a regular basis and have been for decades, simply because they are so acutely miserable in captivity. Not to mention the amount of animals that are culled in all sorts of zoos for convenience's sake and perhaps more legitimate but still quite upsetting reasons. Somewhat stranger still are the amount of practices that we're all very aware of. The very concept of, of captivity, of keeping these gigantic, marvelous, wild animals in enclosures that are designed so that humans can look at them, is getting to be less and less acceptable. Haven't you found? There is an edge to going to a zoo now. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think that, I don't think, I, 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 well, cause when I was a child, I wasn't aware of it, obviously. Right. Because one just one isn't about such ethical questions to the same extent. While it's still not a completely answered question whether or not keeping animals in captivity is a completely antiquated notion yet, there are plenty of high-profile examples outside of opinion pieces that try to argue against the concepts. Take the documentary Blackfish, which focused on SeaWorld and the treatment of its orcas. While it may not be the obvious choice to apply the logic of blackfish to all zoos, it does plant a seed of an idea, doesn't it? And it makes it harder and harder to overlook the parallels. That's one where our feelings be damned. Shamu should not be be forced. Orcas should not be forced to do tricks. That's a good example. Uh, I I don't think dolphins do do that anymore either, do they? I think. I think Mm -hmm. lots Mm -hmm. of... I mean, I remember I was I was loved watching dolphin shows, particularly because they're such they're such incredible creatures, right? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. The, but on the other hand, it is very they're so intelligent and they really yeah. do like um, roaming the seas, right? I think so. Yeah. So it's very it's very cruel to to mm-hmm. to give them a life life sentence of being in a pond in a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. They're hope you know. For their whole lives. I mean, that, so, so yeah. I mean, in, in, on, on reflection, that 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 puts a, somewhat of a sh- shade on on that those those memories. It's hard to deny that the animals there are trapped, mm-hmm. and right. and 
not always happy. Right. You know what I mean? I remember seeing an orangutan mm-hmm. that was just misery. Right. Like you right. could just see it. Yes. You know what I mean? And it was no way. There was no way to spin that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That was like right. that is a miserable right. animal, and we're and he's trapped here. Right. And I don't know. It was it was mm-hmm. um, it was strange because those two things are true right. at the same. And time. And it gets even more complicated because. In some places, the natural habitat for these animals is disappearing or is gone. And so orangutans mm-hmm. are a good example where um, that mm-hmm. they are large mammals that uh, that need space. On the other hand, that their habitat is disappearing. And so some of their natural cousins are now in situations where they don't have enough water, they don't have enough uh, access. And so uh, that saving mm-hmm. the species may have an element of the those that are in 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 zoos being part of that and so what what that mm-hmm. looks like is interesting um as uh, as well it's very true that a lot of the ethical concerns of how we house animals inside zoos seem in some cases to be outweighed by what might happen to them out there in the wild these days it's a bit like the supreme court saying oh well now that civil rights is you know now that the civil rights legislation has has worked now now it's no longer necessary right well yes it's actually quite a yes quite excellent i think comparison because you're pretending that the to use an animal phrase that the wolves aren't there anymore yeah yeah that kind of thing yeah so yeah not that wolves are bad yeah. wolves are great. <laughs> but is it also almost an invitation to complacency in a way? I mean, not to be too lofty. You know, just 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 going getting deep into it. Is it where like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like you've looked at the hippo <laughs> and you agree that it's great <laughs> and that you don't want it to have it, you know, lose its habitat. Right. So we're going to go and continue to deforest, but you know, you you consider yourself a pro hippo person. <laughs> So, well, uh, but yeah, but you know, but, you know, so, it's, yeah. but it's important. To, it's very important to be more pro hippo than than to be no hippo, as it were. Right. So much like you, person mm. who goes to the zoo sees the hippo and, and says, "Oh, I love hippos," uh, you know, and and we really should protect the hippo. Right. But then, yeah. but then doesn't you know? But then buys stuff from 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 the countries which are destroying hippos, right? Right. Or the brands that yeah. destroy, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so on. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Fair enough. But at least, at least he, at least he has the idea that that we should st- save the hippo. Mm. Well, yes, yes. There's been huge hypocrisy about about the environment, right? We we say we say mm. we love we love nature. We say you know, we say we love animals and so on and so forth. Mm. Right? Like zoos, right? People come go to zoos and they love the animals, right? And so on. Mm. And then yeah. and then people, and, and but they don't do enough about in, in order to save their environments. Or mm. if you say, oh no, we, oh no, we really love nature. We really do want to protect the, the earth. We really do want to protect, you know, God, God's creation. If you're going to go that way, right? Then do something. Mm. Then there, then you you open yourself up to the counter argument. Well, then do something about it, mm. right? And if you never yeah. had that love for the love for, for nature or, or claim to have that yeah. love for nature, you wouldn't you would say, well, I don't care. Right. Well, no, exactly. I think that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest things about why letting go of zoos feels so wrong, from an environment, environmentalist point of view, is that yeah, then you'll then you'll start having generations of people who don't give a hoot, right. as it were, what any of these animals are. You know what I mean? Or, or right. what? what yeah, that that this thing went extinct. Like I don't know. It's, right. it's a balancing act, is what it is, of moral, practical, and environmental concerns. And even if we can't call zoos 100% ethically sound, would we lose too much by dismissing them too drastically? Even though there are obviously very strong ethical arguments for, you know, for not having zoos at all, 
right? Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would, I would be somewhat reluctant uh, uh, to to do that. It will be interesting to see if those who do not like zoos prevail, if they um, cl- push to close mm-hmm. um, to close zoos, and I think that would be um, that would be tragic because uh, I do think that it's important for for people, uh, uh, lots of different types of people. Uh, to be able to see animals, and most of us, you know, will not be able to go for and afford to go to places where wild animals are still prevalent. The fact that it's free is huge. It is true that it is one of the places mm. where you see people from all over Washington. It's always it's mm. it, you know so that it's not surprising that like the the Easter Monday tradition here of African American families going to the zoo because it's free and it's something where where which wasn't segregated it was it it was it was it was something for you know um or at least not recently segregated. So, so that so that's really special i mean I, because where there's so many places you go where you've got to have money to go and this is some place where people from all over the city go as families and that that's rare you know we're a pretty stratified society but the zoo is something that belongs to everybody and that's 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 very important well because zoos were such a valuable part and such a beloved part of my childhood for for me and and so many of my favorite memories with you even even when i've been older you and i going to the zoo is one of my favorite things to do you know you know what it it it, it, it's interesting what what parents of the future will will do you know what i'm curious because it it, i wonder i wonder what will have changed in 20 more years right right you know because in so many of our cities the zoo is part of a park that is really a lung for the city that that's a place where you can Mm. actually get greenery a little bit of nature but yes yeah for for parents in the future i hope that parents in the future still have well-run zoos to take their children to uh, and to be, uh, be mm. as a family. And even now, I mean, zoos are also, uh, we, we see here, here where, where it's a place where older people go and, go and walk. I mean, your, your grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the places where she, where she likes to walk because there are no cars, there's shady, there's mm-hmm. space, people take time with each other. If you walk slowly, it's okay. They're actually sort of, it's an odd way, sort of zones of peace separate from the city. Uh, and mm. that people go to find solace, um, and so it's 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 right. It's 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 special on many many levels. Uh, that the at least the, zoo, the zoos that we've we experienced, especially these zoos in uh, in cities. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Just to add the caveat: where all the animals are more or less happy to be right, there. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. So, Dad, on your point about hypocrisy, right? So you don't. So so you're saying you're, massive hypocrisies. You know, we talk about you know, in terms of how you treat different animal points. That's too bad. But maybe a more like compact, manageable hypocrisy. A pygmy hypocrisy, if you will. <laughs> I, um, you are my son after all. Yes, yes. Uh, that, 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 is, that is definitive proof. That's so bad, the thing. That's so bad. Thank you very much to Esther Brimmer and Stephen Beller for speaking with me today. For The Big Ponder, I'm Nathaniel Brimmer-Beller. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Big Ponder. This transatlantic podcast is brought to you by the Goethe Institute in collaboration with the Bertelsmann Foundation and Rundfunk Berlin-Brandenburg. 
thanks to all our friends on both sides of the big pond that make this series possible. <laughs>